Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we are diving deep into a topic that I just absolutely love. It's a topic we've never discussed on the show before, and it's one that can transform your marketing, your business operations, the way you treat employees, the way you build a community, really impacts everything. And that's not an exaggeration. We're talking about how to build an irresistible culture. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and two-minute crash course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest today, aside from being just a super cool guy and an awesome follow on Instagram and Facebook, uh, this guy's built an amazing business. He and his business partner, uh, Anthony Mink, is my guest, uh, co-founder, CEO of Live Bearded. And he and I are both in Ezra Firestone's masterminds. We've known each other for quite a while. Uh, I knew Anthony Mink was the real deal. knew he was the man, but heard him speak at a recent Blue Ribbon event and was blown away by the topic and the way he presented. It was just, it was amazing. It was one of the best topics, one of the best presentations of the event. Uh, and so after I heard him uh, speak, I said, hey man, you got to get you on the podcast. We got to share this good stuff with my audience. And so he agreed. And so here we are today. So with that, Anthony Mink, otherwise known as just Mink. How's it going, man? Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really excited to dive into this. Yeah, man. I appreciate you inviting me and being here. Uh, it's a topic I love talking about. So anytime that I can share some of the, the lessons that we've learned along the way, I'm definitely honored to be able to do that. Fantastic. Well, if anybody's watching the video, now most people are, are just listening, but for those that are watching the video on YouTube or you go check it out later, you'll notice two things about Anthony uh, right away. You'll notice two things about Mink, and that is killer beard, stellar, amazing beard. Uh, so I want you to talk about that in a minute. And then also... There, is a, there does appear to be a barbershop pole in the background, uh, which is totally cool. Is there a story behind that or just, it just looks cool? Well, I actually, I'm, so we have a film studio at our office in Scottsdale and uh, I just hijacked Spencer's set. So Spencer, he's my business partner and he does like all of our tips and tricks and trainings on beards and trims and just all that stuff. And so he has this cool setup and he's got a desk at his set. So I just hijacked his set basically. <laughs> Hey, that's what you can do when you're the CEO, man. You just hijack stuff. That's what I do around here all the time. Uh, so that, that's awesome. But hey, I want to find out a couple of things. I, I would love to get into the backstory behind Live Bearded just a little bit and, and the company and what you guys do and just kind of set that context. Uh, but how long have you personally lived 
bearded? How, how have you been rocking the beard? So actually, one of the other uh, podcasts that I did maybe a year ago, they asked me a really uh, difficult question when I'd never been asked live before. And they said, when does it officially count as a beard? And I was like, damn, that's yeah. like a good, a good question. And I had to think about it for a moment. And I was like, I got the answer. It's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear this, by the way. It's I'm really excited. officially a beard the moment that you stop shaving. Ooh, all right. I like that. I that's like when, that. That's when the beard journey begins. That's so good um, because I, I will I will say, and I think I mentioned this that after one of the Blue Ribbon events a year or two ago. I, I, so I've had a beard now for something like 2005, so a long time. Uh, I keep it pretty cropped, like pretty close to the to the face, you know. So mm-hmm. I often wonder, like, would I fit in a beard club? Would I be accepted in this beard club? And according to that definition, I should be okay. Absolutely. Trimming is different. The moment you stop shaving, you're in the club. So to answer the question, um, you know, I really kind of started growing a beard for the first time as soon as I could, which was kind of uh, 25, 26 is when it actually kind of like yep, took yep. a little bit of shape. And yep. uh, so I've, I had a beard very much like yours. It just kept it super short and tight for probably four or five years. Uh, I guess, yeah, about five years. And then uh, we started this thing called Live Bearded. And in the beginning, I was really happy with just my short beard. I liked the way that I looked. I was comfortable with it. And so I told Spence, you know, Spence was growing out his beard and he was using a lot of products. And Live Bearded was actually kind of the idea of my business partner, Spencer. Um, I'd been working online full-time since 2011. And I started really for one reason, and that's I wanted to travel. Like I was worked a bunch of it's about lifestyle for you. Yeah, it, it was a hundred percent a lifestyle business. And in the beginning, it was man, if I can make a hundred dollars a day, like I can move to like some small beach in South America and die happy. Like that was the dream. <laughs> and uh, I made it. I made it happen. And then obviously things grew. And in seven years, I made it to over thirty countries. And and for seven years, I didn't have a home. I literally just lived there, being me vacation rentals. Wait, and wait, wait. Uh, for how long you didn't have a home? From 2011 till 2018. So for Dude, seven years, I was just phenomenal. Suitcase and Airbnbs. And wow. uh, to make a real long story short, I, you know, I got started. I did affiliate marketing, actually started a couple early e commerce businesses, sold those, um, and just was trying to figure out like where I wanted to stake my claim on the internet. Obviously, there's so many different business models from information yep. to affiliate, e commerce, publishing. And honestly, I tried a little bit of it all. And uh, that kind of brought me to uh, the beginning of 2016. Spencer and I had been talking about working together for several years and we were brainstorming ideas. And he was growing out his beard and he was like, you know, this men's grooming thing seems to be taken off. And I'm using a lot of these different products and I haven't really found anything that I love. And, you know, there seems to be this kind of trend happening. I'd love to maybe do some test marketing around it. And so we built a couple of sales funnels and tested the market. And uh, we actually went out and I just bought 500 beard combs. We just went to Alibaba, searched beard combs, bought 500 of them. And I was like, let's see if we can give these things away for free. And so we just set up a simple free plus shipping offer. And I think we sold all 500 in like a day and a half. Um, wow. and what, what did you do to drive traffic to that that free plus shipping beard comb offer? Facebook. Facebook, yeah. 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 So I've, I've spent a couple million dollars of my own money on Facebook. That's really how I've driven all of our visibility is through Facebook dating back to 2011. So... Um, I put together a simple funnel and we've through, we sold those 500 and what we didn't realize is we were going to have to lick and stick 500 envelopes. <laughs> so, 
I got, I, whenever I want to have a good laugh, I pull up one of the pictures of Spence and I literally in my living room with envelopes scattered all over the place, a box of beard combs. And <laughs> after 500, we decided we needed to get a fulfillment center. From and, humble beginnings. You guys don't lick your envelopes still, do you? you, you uh, no, I, I got someone in the warehouse. And do that <laughs> <now>. <laughs> we did an envelope liquor. Okay, good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we bought, we sold the 500 and then uh, I knew that we could sell it. So we ordered 10,000 more. And basically the whole premise was, let's see if we can give away these 10,000 as well, just in a free plus shipping type offer. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to build an audience of people that had purchased something from me, even if it was just paying for shipping, yep, that, I, yep. that I give them survey. And basically we spent, we took us probably three months to sell the, the, all the 10,000. And we were inviting as many of those people into a Facebook group as possible. Now, were you able to kind of self-liquidate? Were you able to kind of break, at least break even on, on that, that offer? In the early days, um, we were we definitely we made maybe a small percentage uh, on it. It was it was enough to finance our advertising, finance some web development, and kind of product development essentially. Awesome. awesome. Um, but once we got those ten thousand through, and we started surveying them and just getting to know our audience and who our customer really was, uh, we went full scale into product development, and then ended up launching LiveBearded.com uh, in August two thousand sixteen. So it's been just just about two just about three years now. Awesome. Awesome. So did you, when you launched livebearded.com, so, so the, the whole drive to get you, you know, for you to start an online business was so you could travel and see the world and, and live this amazing life, which, which I think a lot of people are, are at least somewhat jealous of the seven years, no, no home and, and seeing the world and all that. Uh, but when did you realize that, Hey, this is going to take more than just good marketing and good products. We need to build a community around this. Cause I think, that, that's an important piece and that'll be kind of our leaping off point to talk about culture. But when did you really get excited about community or was that kind of from the beginning? I knew from the beginning that we needed to build a community because we yep. wanted to have an asset. And again, like going back to all my previous businesses, they were all really just cash flow businesses. They were lifestyle based, um, didn't really focus a lot on the customer, just focused on the sale. And so I knew with Live Bearded, we really wanted to, wanted to dedicate some time and energy to building the community. Um, I just had no idea that it would become what it has. I mean, and I said this at Blue Ribbon, I never set out to build this incredible community. What we did was uh, we wanted to build an incredible customer experience. Yes. And so we really took that focus and, and uh, came from it from the standpoint of if we want to build a community, how do we do that? Well, I think it starts with creating a great customer experience. And so we defined what that would be for us personally. And I kind of shared this process at Blue Ribbon, but Spencer and I basically just sat down and we said, at this point in time, my co-founder and I had been friends for 10 years. And, and we had talked about starting a company together and doing different things. And we just had this moment where literally sitting in, in the living room on my couch and it was like, okay, if we're going to start this business, like why do we want to do it? And how do we want to treat our customers? And what it boiled down to is like, how cool would it be to build a company if we treated every single person that engaged with us like we have been friends for 10 years? Nice. And then, and then we just kind of dissected our friendship and we were like, well, what does it take to be friends for someone for 10 years? Like trust, integrity, like you got to break each other's balls. You got to hold each other accountable. You got to do all of these things that, that we do as men when we're friends with someone for that long. And so we just said, well, what if we took all of those ideas, the, the principles, and uh, those values, that, that belief of brotherhood, and we just applied it to our company. And we just tried to create this feeling of brotherhood within every engagement and every interaction uh, that we encountered. And, and that really has taken on a crazy life of its own. 
It, it has. And, and I think that's a, a true sign that you, you've tapped into something authentic and something real and something that people want. And I, I love that you started with that as the premise, like this, this 10-year friendship. What did it take for that friendship to last this long and still be healthy and vibrant? And then how do we make a, a customer experience look like that and build a community around it? Because I, I don't think a lot of people do that. Most people just look at how can I maximize profit? How can I maximize lifetime value? And certainly there's nothing wrong with it. You have to look at those things from a business standpoint. But if you can back up a little bit and look at the experience aspect first is going to help with all the other aspects uh, as well. And, and so just curious that this idea of brotherhood, because now I know, you know, you start all your videos, you sign off all your posts, thing, or you start with, hey, brother, and, and you know, you end with brother, whatever. Uh, did you kind of come up with that language from the very beginning or did that kind of evolve over time as well? I think it was from the beginning for sure. You know, again, going back to how do you address someone that you've been friends with for 10 years, it's usually a nickname. It's something, some type of play that you guys, you know, it's it's kind of, uh, it's, it just, it's a nickname or it's something that you have established. You know, like most people call me mink. That's not necessarily a nickname because my last name is mink, but it's easier to say the name. It's a nickname though. Yeah. It's yeah. Mink. It's it's cool. And yeah, it fits. Um, and so it really just became that point, like, hey, you know, we, Spence and I address each other as like, hey, brother, what about this? What about this? And 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 I've also done a, you know, a lot of just, just reading and research into psychology and identity and just how to, how to create culture and how to create community. And, and a lot of it is creating an identity within someone. And so that was, that was, we were really intentional about the, the, the feel, the experience that we wanted to have. So from the beginning, we wanted to address people as brother. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. So, uh, one of the things you said in the talk, and I one thousand percent agree with this, is that culture is the most valuable asset you have. Explain that. Why is that true? What does that mean? Well, to me, I think to explain it, you have to kind of define what culture is. And for us, culture is the way that we make people feel or the experience that we create in another person. And uh, so, for me, I think just in general, people aren't going to remember what you say or what you do, but they're never going to forget how you make them feel. And so for us, I think the feelings that we create as a company um, are the most powerful thing that we have. And if we're giving not only customers like a great product that they love, that help, that solves a problem or that makes them feel better about themselves, but then you layer that with the experience of trust and integrity, humor, engagement, authenticity, you start to layer in all these different aspects of, of the culture that we've really intentionally created. I think uh, what happens is you just generate a fan base, a, a client base, a customer base that really just fucking loves you yeah. and really like just has your back and stands behind you and sings your praises and shares, uh, you know, your mission and your message with everybody that makes sense for them to do that too. And that's definitely been the case for us. And we've seen a huge increase in repeat business, a huge increase in referrals, um, social proof, engagement, all of those things. And I know that Live Bearded would be successful if we say we didn't have that culture because we're great at marketing, um, but it, would, uh, it wouldn't be nearly as valuable. We wouldn't have nearly as many customers or nearly as much repeat business. Um, and we would be playing a transactional game versus playing a relationship game. So for us, it just comes down to that experience that you create. And I think if you create a really positive, really great customer experience, that's the most valuable. Yeah, 100% agree. And, and it's been so cool to, to watch, you know, you, you've created these really fanatics of the community and of the brand. And, and I've even seen it where, you know, on social media, if, if someone says something negative about Live Bearded, there's like 
five or six or 10 or 20 or a hundred of your fans and like totally come to your aid and, and got your back. And like, that's something you didn't, you're not asking people to do that. They're just doing that because they believe in the culture and they believe in the way you guys have treated them. And it, and it just happens. It's, it's an amazing thing. Well, I think it's it, it comes when when you are really intentional with turning a transaction into a relationship. And so, you know, for us, I, and I shared some of these messages at Blue Ribbon, but, you know, probably the best part about my job is we get these messages every day and it's customers expressing their gratitude towards the, the way that we conduct business. And so for us, it's very much about uh, creating an environment of support, encouragement, accountability. Um, you know, we have uh, several philosophies, like I'm wearing a shirt right now that says do better. And, you know, we write this on our website and the the premise is we believe it's our responsibility to do better every day, to learn from our mistakes, grow through our failures and strive to be the best that we can be. And I think for anybody that wants to create a culture, the best thing that you can do is give your customer or your community the words to describe what they want to see or experience. And so I think that's what we've done a really good job of. And that's a unique tip like the, we put the words on the back of the shirt. And as soon as we started saying it, we started seeing other people saying it. And so but a lot of times people don't know how to articulate what they want, what they feel or what they need. And so if you can give them the words to do that, that's really becomes the rallying cry. And so we've got a lot of these sayings and, and phrases that we use. And that really provides that level of accountability, that encouragement that allows them to express themselves more authentically. Mm-hmm. And then that's really what creates that that rabid culture, that love, that passion for the brand, because we're helping them express and communicate themselves in a better way. It's really interesting, giving them the words to express in. And so like the phrase, do better, would, would love to know what, what are some of those other phrases you guys have come up with? And, and what's, what's the origin story there? Like, where did those come from? Did you think long and hard about that? Did they just kind of come to you? Is it just natural? Like, like how, how did you go about coming up with these phrases that, that people have really latched onto? Yeah. Um, I think it's a combination of curation and personality and, uh, you know, like do better, for example. I mean, I think back in like 2000, like, like probably five or six years ago, Spence bought a random shirt that said do better on it. Mm-hmm. And that was like lying around and he wore that to the beach one day. And I was like, dude, I like that shirt. We should create our own. And then um, we were on a Facebook Live one day and I literally just kind of spewed out the, I believe it's our responsibility to do better. And I said it and I was like, damn, that's, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> and I listened to Facebook Live and I was, and, and guys were like, yeah, this is awesome. And they really agreed with that. And so I just started saying it over and over again. And so that was one of them, um, you know, trading expectations for appreciation. Like I got that from Tony Robbins and just so the good. whole idea of gratitude. So we put, you know, we put grateful on a shirt. Um, I don't even remember where I, I read a quote and it said something to the effect of success can never be owned. It can only be rented and rent is due every single day. And so we put yeah. rent, we put rent due on a shirt and put that quote on the back. Um, you know, probably that's like five a, that's or That's a killer. I love that shirt idea. I got to get one of those shirts. That's awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. five or six years ago, I bought the domain entitled to nothing because I really wanted to build a brand in this concept of we're entitled to nothing in life. And that's just a personal philosophy that I have. So I say that in some of our videos, we, you know, we put that on a shirt. And, and so a lot of it just, they all really truly come from just kind of our core philosophies and beliefs as men. Some of them are quotes that have inspired phrases. Some of them uh, are phrases that have inspired shirts. It's, you know, it's all like, I, I, I'm not, uh, like my point is we have curated a lot of them. Like we didn't just pull these things out and, and make them. They're just, you know, kind of part of, uh, 
uh, our philosophies and they've come about over time. Yeah. Finding things that resonate with you, things that have shaped you and your business life and your personal life, sharing those with your audience, seeing what resonates and then, and then kind of doubling down on that or really, really utilizing those things. Uh, I love that. It's awesome. I, I know one of the things you guys ask yourself, one of the things you brought up in the, in the talk that I, I listened to was, you're always asking, how can we add more value to our customers mm-hmm. than our competitors do? And, and I know that's not just like price-related stuff, right? So, so value goes way deeper than that. What, what are some of the things that, that you guys do to add value? And how do you think about that process? Yeah, so I think anybody who's listening, I mean, this is a, a, probably one of the most powerful business questions you can ask. And I got it from Tony Robbins. I spent a year of my life with Tony and I did his platinum partnership and I've been to a couple of his business masteries and his whole business mastery is built around how do you create raving customers, raving fans? And he says like, the only purpose in business is to create raving fans and a raving fan culture. And so a lot of what we do, you know, is just, again, it's curated from so many different aspects, but, but Tony says the primary question that you should ask yourself is what's, how do you add more value to your customers than anyone else could possibly manage to do? And so for us, we looked at it holistically, obviously there's the offer, there's the price, there's the way that you support customers, um, shipping, handling returns, um, just the overall way that you're engaging with people. I think all of those things add value, obviously finding the best customer or the best products that you can. Um, I think beyond just those kind of generic business practices, it's kind of getting into the core philosophies and beliefs and, and creating uh, like content and, and really giving your customers something to take part in. I think that's how you take the level of value and you add an intangible amount of value. Because at the end of the day, I think anybody that's in e-commerce, unless they have some crazy patent or um, some very unique uh, product that no one else can replicate, we all kind of play in a commodity-driven world. And so there's only so many things that you can do. There's the policies and the procedures and the way that you operate your business. There's the pricing and the solution that you're delivering. But beyond that, a lot of the extra value comes down to just, I believe, intangible value that you create based on your culture, based on the way that you're engaging and interacting with customers and the content and kind of the beliefs that you create. So for us, you know, we've done live events. We've brought customers together. We've created a private community that allows customers to connect amongst themselves. And I think fostering connections between people with something in, in common is very powerful. That's definitely been a way that we've created immense value for certain customers and for people. Um, again, the content that we create, the tips, the tricks, the tutorials, all the stuff that Spencer does from the beard and grooming side. And then I created a, uh, well, with my team, we created a, a weekly segment called Mink in the Morning. And it's just about encouragement and accountability and sharing stories and experiences from you know seven years on the road, travels all around the world and just the different businesses and the different things that we've done. And so we're always looking for new ways to add value and we're always testing new stuff, but most of it comes in the way of support and experience and content. I think that's the really going to be the easiest way that you can create value beyond just the actual goods and services that you exchange monetary value on. Yeah. And I think it's so important to, to look beyond, uh, beyond just the norm. You know, you, you guys aren't successful just because you have the best beard oil, right? I know the beard oil is great. I know you guys stress over that, obsess over that, getting a, an amazing product. And we all need to do that, right? If, if our product slips, if we don't deliver the goods, then our, our time is limited and, and we're going we're gonna to pay the price for that. 
but ultimately what the value you bring is so much deeper than that, right? Uh, the value someone gets by wearing that t-shirt, that do better t-shirt or that grateful t-shirt and knowing that, hey, I, I believe the same things about life. I feel the same way about about being a man, about being a bearded man, about whatever that these guys do. And now I'm associating with something that really enriches someone's life. It's, it's, a, it's a t-shirt, sure. But it, that, like, that enriches someone's life or, or being able to connect with someone like you and, and hear Mink in the morning and, and all of those things, that adds to someone's life. It feels fuzzy and it feels a little bit intangible because it is intangible, but that, that really, um, that's so much more valuable than just a bottle of oil. Right. Absolutely. And two, two things come to mind. I mean, the first one is like on the t-shirt topic, like we hear this all the time where guys will wear a do better shirt. They'll wear a grateful shirt, a rent do shirt, whatever it is, someone will stop them and be like, what's that all about? And now they have the opportunity to say, oh, well, I'm wearing this do better shirt because I believe it's my responsibility to do better or because it's a reminder to do this or because of that or because of this community that I'm a part of. And now that's allowed them to engage in a conversation with arguably a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. And then now that stranger, they now have something in calming and it just creates value in their life. It gives them a sense of significance or a sense of pride or encouragement for doing something. Um, but then also to answer the question even a little bit further, if you go back to the original question is, how do we add more value than any of our competitors possibly could? That question presupposes that you have to identify what value your competitors are adding. And this is what we got really clear on with Live Bearded is at the time in 2016, we tried to look at every competitor that was, you know, doing substantial business and identify what was their core offer. And again, beyond just the products, because we all compete on this playing field of goods and services, but what else are they offering? How else are they supporting their customers or curating uh, an experience? And so for us, it was creating that contrast between what is everyone else doing in the marketplace? How are they speaking to their customers? How are they engaging with them? What's the tone that they take? And then how can we separate ourselves based on our offering and really create that positioning? And if you, if you look at it in that way, not only are you identifying what the competitors are doing, but you're figuring out a way to create a value proposition that's different and unique to everyone else. And ultimately, hopefully is going to add more value as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, uh, I want to talk about, you know, there's, there's a few ways we can look at culture. And, and one of my favorite quotes when it comes to business comes from Tony Shea. He is the founder of, of Zappos. And uh, there's a great book called Delivering Happiness that if you haven't read, I, I re- recommend. And I recommend to all the listeners out there as well. But uh, he talks about the fact that there's really only, you only have two things as a business, brand and culture, right? Brand is what the community thinks about you. Uh, brand is what the marketplace says about you. Culture is who you are. And, 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 and they both, you know, culture directly impacts brand for sure. Um, I know you, you've talked a little bit about, well, well, let me ask this question first. Um, how do you guys think about culture internally? So the way you treat uh, employees, the way you kind of build your team, how do you think about that? And how do you guys believe that impacts uh, the culture that your customers see? Yeah, I think uh, it, for us, it's very simple and it's very clear. Like I wanted to start my own business uh, seven, eight years ago, 10 years ago now, I guess, because I didn't want to have an asshole boss that I hated working for and in an, or an environment that I hated being in. Yes. And, and truthfully, we now have an office and this was probably the most difficult business decision I've made because I felt like having an office meant that I was handcuffed to 
coming here every day and kind of to that original environment that I wanted to step away from. So to answer your question, I think culture deeply impacts the internal employees and the, and the experience that we have and that everybody has working for Live Bearded because we're very, very intentional with it. Um, simple things like unlimited paid time off, um, just and really creating a an environment that people want to be a part of. Like Spencer, my business partner, he just spent three weeks in Asia. And for the last week, he's been hitting us up every day. And he's saying, man, I can't wait to get back to the office and hang out with the guys. And, and I'm like, dude, you're in fucking Asia. Like, chill out. Like, enjoy the time with your girlfriend. Like, we're not, we're not going anywhere. And I think that comes from just, A, everybody who works for Live Bearded, um, they were a customer first and they believe what we believe, the whole Simon Sinek thing, right? You got to find people that believe what you believe. And so we've hired everyone based on core values and whether or not they're aligned from a culture and company standpoint. And then from there, we just teach them the, the way there that we teach the skill sets that they need for the job. So I think it's two things internally. One, it's creating an environment that people look forward to coming to and that's friendly, outgoing, and just literally, again, going back to like Spence and I have been friends for 10 years. So we treat every single one of our employees that way. We make fun of each other. We break each other's balls. We do what guys do. Um, being a men's grooming company, we only have guys that work for us at this point. would love to hire some women. We just haven't found an opportunity to do that yet. Um, but it would take a brave woman. Yes. And there are many out there uh, to yes. work with you guys. But it would probably help. It would help round out the company for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but in general, it is treating other people the way that I would want to be treated when I was an employee and really putting their needs and, and their, uh, just their personal lives uh, on an equal playing field of the success of the company. And yeah. to your point, I think that the more that, and this is a really cliche example, but like if all of my customer or if all of my employees are overflowing with excitement, with passion, with just feeling like they are well taken care of, then that's going to spill into the way that they engage with our customers. And that's going to spill into everything else that we do. So I truly believe that, again, using a really really cliche analogy, if our cup is full internally, then, and I'm loving on our guys and I'm creating an, a culture and a community internally that makes people feel like they're totally and unconditionally supported, then that's going to spill over to everyone that interacts with us on a customer basis. Without a doubt. I love that. And, and we, we sort of obsess about culture at OMG Commerce and I'll brag on our team just, just for a minute. We, we also treat it the same where we hire based on culture first. That's what we look for. That's what we interview. That's what we, we, we're, we're digging, looking for that. We look for experience and skill set and things after we make sure someone is a, is a culture fit. Uh, and culture is also something you have to protect and guard and fight for because human nature kind of goes against good culture, I think, in a lot of ways. And so yeah. helping people, you know, you know, making sure like negativity doesn't creep in, making sure gossip is like, hey, well, that's not cool. You know, and, and you talk, you've talked about accountability a couple of times, which I love that word, even though it's not a fun word necessarily, but holding people accountable. You know, we talk about helping each other level up, being transparent, uh, giving and receiving honest feedback. And uh, what's so cool about that, uh, similar to you guys, uh, I think a lot of people really want to come to work. And you know, when they extended time off, you're like, kind of like to get back to the office, like to see, like to see my peeps. Uh, and we actually just, just to brag one more time, just to brag on my team, but we, we won uh, 2019 Inc. Best Workplaces or we're one of the best workplaces uh, for, for small companies. So we're really, really excited awesome. about that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Can I would it's... say... 
There's so many aspects of it, like, and and how you do some things, I think, in, in a lot of cases, how you do everything. So I shared this story at Ribbon, but we had one of our first customer service reps, he had to get a spinal fusion. And so he was going to be out of work for like six weeks. And he was like, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? And this happened to be in November as well. So we we're going into the busiest season of the year, and he's going to be out of commission for six to eight weeks. And he was really worried about like taking care of his family. He's the only employee, you know, he's the only one that works in the household. And, and we just told him like, don't even worry about your job. We're going to pay you your full rate. Like nothing is going to change. Just focus on getting better. And then we had one of our other customer or one of our other employees like was riding his bike home from the office and got hit by a car, broke his leg in three places and was out for, you know, probably like three or four weeks. And same thing, like, dude, focus on taking care of yourself. Live beard is not going anywhere. You know, we'll pick up the slack in the meantime. And when you come back, you'll be stronger and better. And, you know, we'll carry on. And I think when you do that for one person and everybody else sees it, there's this sense of like, I'm, I know I'm going to be taken care of. These guys have my back. And so when something comes up, I just literally today, my warehouse manager said, Hey, my grand, his grandfather lives in New York. And he's like, Hey, I just found out last night, my grandfather had a stroke and he's like really shaken up about it. And I'm like, dude, like you need to go back and see him. And he's like, yeah, I don't have the time. Or, 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 I'm worried about uh, financially. I can't afford it. And I said, dude, like we've got a million frequent flyer miles as a company. I'll buy you a fucking ticket to go see your grandfather. Like I want to make sure that you're taken care of. If something happens, I want to make sure that you're there. And it's just those tiny little gestures that you can make to people that make them be 100% committed to what you're creating and where you're going. And so we, we look, I look as an, as an owner for those opportunities that I can go above and beyond the call of duty because I know when I do that, that's going to create that feeling of people that want to give everything that they can to the cause. It, it, it creates intense loyalty. It creates this, this desire to work hard and, and that creates great work for the customer. Yeah, there's so many benefits. And I think the, the important uh, backdrop here is if you're, if you're hiring for culture, right? If you're hiring for culture first, where it's like we, we're hiring people that have our shared values and that want to work hard and then enjoy being challenged and enjoy a fast-paced environment and putting out great work, then you can afford to do the things you're talking about. And we, we've actually done the same thing with uh, unlimited PTO, pay time off. I was a little nervous when we first did it. It's been amazing though. No one has taken advantage of it. It's like, there's even some people are like, hey, you realize you can take time off. Like you need to take time off. Um, and, and, and there's still some people that don't, but just that, that freedom that people have is, is huge and, and love, love the way you take care of your employees. It's, it's inspiring. And I think if you have the right people and then you treat them the right way, uh, it creates this alignment and this energy and this loyalty that, that's, that's super fun but also that makes good business sense as well, uh, which is, yeah. which is powerful. A really, a really, for anybody who wants to really invest into building a great culture, there's an interesting book. It's a parable. I mean, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a fiction book, but it's called The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive. It's a super short read and it, it talks about culture and it gives a couple of unique examples of what happens when you hire someone who isn't a right fit and who kind of starts to gossip or starts to do some of these things and how it can literally fracture the entire uh, ecosystem that you've built. So definitely a, a really great read. I've read it a couple of times. I've had everyone on my team read it so that we're all on the same page and we don't, uh, it, culture is like momentum. It can be very hard to build and really easy to break. So you got to be Absolutely. very intentional with it. 
Absolutely. Yep. And and even even great people, if if your environment shifts a little bit, if if you're if you're not protecting things, you know, we, we can all slip into old habits of of negativity or gossip or or something. So you really have to guard it. Absolutely. And, and what was the name of that book again? The four obsessions of what? An extraordinary executive. An extraordinary executive. I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Sounds awesome. We'll have to I'll have to check that out for sure. So let's let's talk about some of the the kind of the creative things you guys are doing. So so what are some of the kind of practical, maybe not easy to replicate, but at least some things that other people can do. Like I know you guys have done stuff with wacky Christmas cards and 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 stuff you send your customers and just just kind of lead us through a few of the the interesting things you're doing to create this this culture for your customers. Yeah, I think the first thing to think about when you when you want to uh, create different uh, like touch points in your culture is that every touch point matters and and sometimes the most overlooked ones are the ones that can have the biggest impact. So um, you mentioned Christmas cards. Like we had this random idea to send every customer a Christmas card. And at first we were like, man, this is going to be expensive. Like, how are we going to send them everybody a Christmas card? We got to print it. We got to mail. We got to do this whole thing. Um, but we just decided to do it. We figured, you know, let's see what happens. And um, the craziest thing happened. People started framing them, putting them on their refrigerator, taking pictures of it, posting it on social media. I'll never forget. Some dude put our picture on his Christmas tree, like up next to the star. And I, and like, there's <laughs> like holding Santa Claus. And I was like, thinking to myself, how long is this guy going to be a customer? The answer is like forever, as long yeah. as he has a beard. Yeah. Um, and so that was a really cool touch point. And so we, now one of the things that we do, uh, every quarter we try to change out our inserts. So in our packaging, um, we have multiple inserts that we put in and we've always just like, that's a free way that we can communicate something or, well, we're, it's not free. We're already paying for it, but right, right. now it's a, it's a ride along. So um, we're always coming up with wacky new images and pictures, postcards, things that we can drop into the box, stickers, things like that. That's very common. I mean, a lot of people do that, but we try to, add, we try to figure out how we can add our culture, or our personality to it. Um, you know, one of the things that I said in the talk is I think culture is really just giving your brand a personality um, I think that's also another simple way to explain culture. And when you think about how can you apply this, uh, one great question to ask yourself is what personality do you want your company to have? Um, if, if someone was going to describe your company as a person, what characteristics would you want them to explain that, that person or that company to have? And so, um, you know, we do a lot of random Facebook lives. Any point that we have to just engage with our customers and be over the top and kind of ridiculous. We do that. Um, we do a lot of giveaways. Um, man, I'm trying to think a lot of, st a lot of the ways that we try to get really creative is just with, with videos and with marketing, with Facebook lives. Yeah. Um, you guys did like a, a brother of the week club or something like that. Uh, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah, that was something that we we do every week. We have our community nominate a brother of the week, and that's just a way that we can uh, try to give back and and really give someone who is kind of the the most engaged, the most um, uh, encouraging and supportive in the community a little bit of significance and a little bit of recognition. Uh, one of the things that we found is if you give someone recognition, they'll love you and they'll like really get a lot of uh, value out of that. So we found a way to. Uh, have our community nominate someone and then we recognize it. We give them a free shirt. Um, so that's definitely something that we do. But even like we were at Blue Ribbon and, and a couple of guys were talking about text message marketing and we had never done any texting before. And so I came home and I spent four or five days like diving into how do I set up text flows? 
And rather than going online and just grabbing random gifs, we went to like the, the Safeway next door and we filled up the shopping cart with a ton of boxes and they like pushed me through the shopping cart and I'm like flying across the shopping cart and it's like, don't leave your cart hanging. You know, there's a gif of me holding our box and I'm like holding it like a baby looking super sad. And mm-hmm. I'm just like looking at like, and so we're trying to come up with every touch point matters. Um, when someone subscribes to our text message and if you, if you guys that are listening, if you want to see it, I, man, I don't even know the number. Let me look it up. And I'll, I'll give it to you guys so you can just go and, and text us and you can Absolutely. see Get on some, the list. Yeah, some of the stuff that we do. Um, the number is 29071. And so text brother to 29071. And this will enroll you. And what you'll see is this gif of me. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I'm like freaking out. And it says like, yes, you're now subscribed. And then we give them like 15% off. And so those are just like little fun things that we do where like most people are just going to go out and grab a random GIF off of the internet or get something that's maybe relatable, but not, uh, it's not personal. Yep. And so we've tried very to identify. Right. If you just do kind of something random, it's, it's very forgettable. But, but if, if you see that of the, the CEO of the company saying, yes, 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 over again after you subscribe, like that's memorable. Or if you see you being hurled through a, a store in a, cart like that's that's memorable it's shareable even um so yeah i love that you said every touch point matters because it does that's super and also i would say it's super important to uh enroll your team in doing this stuff like when we were you know my team will randomly just like they'll come up with an idea for something and they'll shoot it when we were in blue ribbon actually we got a bunch of samples in and we had been out of samples for a long time so i don't even know how they did this but like in the warehouse they rolled up the ladder and my, my warehouse manager climbed up to the top of the ladder. And on the video, you see him jump off of the top of the ladder into a big basket of live bearded samples. And they did this little effect where the samples like kind of splash. And it's like, samples are back now, like go get them, whatever. And it, it was, it was just like this super dorky video. It was hilarious. It made sales for us, but it also communicated personality and culture. So I think when you talk about creating culture and, and being creative, uh, it comes down to expressing personality and enrolling your team mm-hmm. in that process. Cause everyone on your team is very valuable in their creative aspect and their personality as well. What, what, what advice would you give to someone if someone looks at this or thinks about this and says, it just seems like a lot of work. It seems like a lot of work to build a culture and to, Guarded and and how can I be this creative or you know maybe my product's not as cool as Live Bearded? What would you what would you say to them? What encouragement would you give to them on on why it's worth it to do this? Well, I mean, I think there's two ground rules to creating culture. Uh, the first one is there is no shortcuts. Um, it takes time, uh, and the second one is you have to authentically care about your customers. Mm-hmm. If if you violate either of those two rules. It doesn't matter how hard you try. You're never going to build a a true culture in my opinion, Um, because people can see through that, especially in the world that we live in today. Uh, It does take time. It is a lot of work. Um, I think the best advice I can give anyone listening is it's a marathon. Um, You know, we're three years into this and every, like I said, every touch point matters. And we've had that philosophy for three years 
So now the body of work that we have created over three years is much greater than I would have ever thought that we would have. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the biggest point is just start now, start where you're at and, and iterate. You know, the whole idea is to just constantly improve. And, and that's one of our philosophies or one of our core beliefs is just constant and never ending improvement or, or doing better as the shirt says. And so, um, we say something and then we refine it and we say it again and we refine it or we do something and we refine it. I think um, you have to have a willingness to be able to put yourself out there. And, you know, Spencer and I, we had this really interesting realization very early on when we first started doing Facebook lives. Um, When we watched ourselves, we were like, we are boring. Like this (laughs) is brutal to watch us. And what we realized is we had to, we had to amplify our energy. We had to amplify excitement. Almost to the point of being uncomfortable, like going over the top for what it feels like or what it seems like in your head. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and like a lot of guys at Blue Ribbon, they were like, dude, like, where did that talk come from? I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you're just like this quiet, unassuming dude. And then you get on stage and you're like telling jokes and you're singing and you're like doing this whole thing. And the only reason why I was able to do that is because I understand this principle of like when you're on camera or when you're in front of people, you have to amplify the energy that that you put out. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I could give people is you have to be authentic to yourself, but you also have to, you have to be the best best version of yourself. You have to amplify your energy and your excitement. Um, And just to know that, I mean, gosh, if you guys saw some of the first videos that we put out, it is terrible. Like it's so ugly and so disgusting and so hilarious to watch, but you have to start somewhere. And so just I would say get started now, understand that uh, I I have this core philosophy that I try to live my life off of and it's a a patient sense of urgency. Mm. And so I I, I want to be to be patient because I'm playing a long game, but I have to have a sense of urgency because every day matters, right? Every, yep. every action that we take matters. So I would just say, you know, follow the two, follow the two rules, no shortcuts. It takes work. Um, you have to authentically care and then just know that it's a long game and just get started and play with it and tinker with it. I think ultimately you're creating a persona, you're creating yep. a personality and, yep. uh, it can, it's going to change and evolve over time. Um, but just get started now and have fun with it. It should yeah. be something fun. Yeah. And, and I think that that's one of the keys. You know, I, I think some people could look at this and say, this is overwhelming. I can't be as fun and cool as Mink and Spence are. I, I can't build a brand quite like Live Bearded. And, and certainly it's going to look different in your specific instance. But I was listening to, to one of my favorite books of all time recently, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Uh, if you guys haven't checked that out, you have to. But he answered something at the end of the, the book that was really interesting. He, he said he was asked by someone, why, why this focus on great? Why not just be good or just be okay? Like, why, why be great? And one of the things that Jim Collins said was, in the end, it's not actually harder to build something great than it is to build something good, right? There are no shortcuts. You have to work hard. But business is hard anyway. Like if you were to, if you do take shortcuts and if, you, and if you don't want to build a good culture, business will still be hard. It will in some ways be harder for you if you don't do these things. Um, yeah. you know, having this intentionality and keeping, I love the, the fact you used the word momentum earlier. You can just kind of feel this momentum that's taking place at, at Live Bearded where you're from your customer service reps to the warehouse guys, to the people, you know, uh, people that are designing products. Like everybody's got energy and everybody's got momentum. That has value. You do have to keep it up. It does not self-perpetuate per se, but 
business is hard no matter how you do it. And, and I, would, I would say that when you have a good culture, when you fight for a good culture, when you work at this, business is more fun. And, and the energy that's there propels you. And in some ways, some things do get easier. It's always hard, but I think it's way, way better to do it this way. So, well, and, and to that point, um, I started this journey of Live Bearded, like being this nomadic dude who had no desire to have a warehouse, no desire to open an office, no desire to create this crazy culture. I just wanted to build a, a strong community and I wanted to uh, work with one of my best friends. And over time, what has happened is this culture has created such a ripple effect in our, not only in our business, but in our personal lives. We went from having a virtual company to we wanted to bring everybody in-house. And then we wanted to bring our fulfillment in-house. And it seems like over time, the culture has totally and radically transformed the way that we do business because we realize that the more that we engage in the culture the funner it is, the, the more excitement there is around what we're doing, the more the customers are engaged, the more the employees are engaged, and ultimately, the better we're, that we're going to be. And so when I started with this idea of, and one of the reasons why Spencer, he left his real estate career in Arizona to partner with me and to work on this is so that we could travel and live this digital kind of nomadic lifestyle and do it together. And maybe we work on, a, maybe we work on something together, maybe we wouldn't. But we've literally come full circle because what we've understood and realized is when we fully engage with the culture, when we fully engage with our customers and we create this experience, it actually is more fun than, than what we were doing before, than the solo traveling, than doing the you know, digital thing. Like it, it has brought it all back together and it's made business easier. It's made life easier and it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, but I would, I would 100% agree with you that, that building a great company, building this great internal culture, having that relationship with customers, building something great is so fun. And it, it's more fun than almost anything else. And that's where, yeah, I think a lot of people on the surface, if they were looking at that, like, hey, I can, be, I can travel to Asia and to these tropical islands and like be free, or I could be at the warehouse in Arizona, like, which would you choose? <laughs> and in some ways, like, warehouse is more fun. Like, it, it, it's, it's a little more fulfilling in some ways. Obviously, like to do both. But yeah, yeah. Uh, building something, lasting something meaningful is super fun. So Yeah, ultimately, you're creating something that you and your people get to be a part of. Yeah. And, and that is bigger than yourself. And yeah. that's, what, that's what we learned. And yeah. uh, it's, it's crazy how it comes together, but it can be powerful. And it does make... If you if you're willing to do the hard, what is it like? You do the hard the hard things and turn into easy things over time. Yep, one hundred percent. Awesome, man. Well, hey, this has been phenomenal. We could keep riffing on this. I, I could keep talking about some of these things for a, a good additional hour or two. Uh, we do need to kind of wrap it up now. Uh, so hopefully, people have joined your your text list to see some of the cool things you're doing there. Uh, what else would you recommend people check out? Because I, I just love what you guys are doing, obviously, but uh, I think listeners would be wise to check you guys out on social media and your website, get on your email list, like engage with this brand. Even if you are not bearded, may, Hey, maybe you'll be inspired. Maybe you'll be in, inspired to put down the razor and to, uh, to live bearded. Um, but regardless, I think you should, you should follow what these guys are doing because it's epic. But uh, what would you recommend, Mink? How should people connect with you guys? Yeah. I mean, just at live bearded at all the social networks. Um, my email is anthony at livebearded.com. If you're a store owner and you have a specific question about something that we did, 
please feel free to reach out. Um, you know, I think success leaves clues. And what, what we do is we follow not only all the brands that are in our space, but all the brands that sell to our customers. And, and we just love to watch and see what other people do and what ideas come up and how people are engaging and, and interacting with their, not only with their content and with the, the, what they're creating, but also with their customers. And so I think, you know, definitely follow us and use us as an example. Follow other people that either sell to your audience specifically or sell a similar product. And uh, just always be learning and growing and looking for ways that you can improve your culture. Uh, one of our core philosophies is ordinary things practiced consistently create extraordinary results. Mm-hmm. And so I think this kind of ties up that whole part about creating culture is like, you just have to do the ordinary thing every day. And over time over months and years, that becomes extraordinary. And when you look at Live Bearded now, three years down the road, some of you guys might think, wow, that's an extraordinary culture. Other people might think, wow, that's very ordinary. Like whatever your perspective is, where we're at today is nothing more than the result of ordinary actions taken consistently. And uh, we feel pretty happy with the results that we've had. Love it. Love it. All right, man. Hey, really appreciate the time. This has been stellar. Had a blast doing it. Have to get you back on the show at some other point in time down the road to talk more good business stuff. But really appreciate it, dude. This has been this has been spectacular. Yeah, man, it was awesome being on the show. I'm, I hope that uh, is valuable for all the listeners, and it was a pleasure being here. And uh, for everybody who's listening, um, but Brett's an awesome guy. He runs all of our Google stuff right now. He does our YouTube stuff as well. We've we work with almost no agencies because we believe in doing everything in-house, but Brett's team and his experience is extraordinary. And so if you guys uh, obviously are listening to this for a reason, probably you have an e-commerce store. And if you do, you need to be on Google and you need to use Brett if you do. Awesome. Thanks, dude. And hey, that was totally unscripted and unplanned. And I did not put you up to that, <laughs> but I appreciate that. that. That's phenomenal. Anthony Mink, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Hopefully now you all are inspired to go out there and build an irresistible culture. It is not easy, but it is fun and it is totally worth it. Check out Live Bearded on all all the socials and on the interwebs and find out what these guys are up to. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. All right, dude. Hey, that was a blast. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.